Well, Hub City, it's great to be with you today, and we are continuing our series, actually concluding our series, on the pursuit. This has been our word for the year, pursuit, and looking at all the ways that we pursue Jesus, that we are a church, whether gathered or scattered, we are on the pursuit. We are pressing on, striving, reaching out to be more like Jesus, to discover more of who Jesus is, and to live that out in our own life. And so all year long, we've been talking about this in various ways at various times, about Pursuing Jesus in our, in our prayer life, in our worship life, in our Bible study life, right? All of these things. And the last part of our pursuit is focusing on the sacrificial life. This idea of sacrifice and giving our life away. And so for two weeks, we're talking about sacrifice. And what do we mean by sacrifice? It's not animal sacrifice and having to butcher something in the temple. Praise the Lord. But it's about giving and serving and fasting and giving part of our life, actually giving all of our life away to Jesus. And I know as we talk about this, some of us are like, great, we're talking about giving and money and all this. Great. Uh, I think I'll skip this one, right? I don't mind prayer. I don't mind worship. I don't mind reading, but I'll skip this one, God, right? And and I, I would encourage you, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is not to skip over this part because this is a fundamental element of God's heart for you and for me and for us is to be sacrificial people because he himself has a heart of sacrifice. To skip this is to skip pie on Thanksgiving, right? It's Thanksgiving week. We're all getting ready for our preparations. I don't know what it's like in your house. Usually at our house, we'd have 15, 20 people in our house and pie is the way to cap it all off, just like everybody's house. But we would have Somewhere five, six different pies because people like different types of pies. you got pumpkin and apple and pecan and chocolate mousse and all of these different things. Well, this year, we're going to be a family of five having Thanksgiving. We're going to have all the fixings. We're going to have everything, right? But when it comes to pie, we don't all agree. we got five people in our house, and all of us like different pies. Some of us like pumpkin. Some of us like apples. Some of us like chocolate mousse. Dad likes all of them. But... We're literally considering this and talking about this as a family, is that we won't just get one pie. We've got to get pies for every. So five people are going to split three giant Costco pies. Picture that in your brain, because some of them are very small. And we're going to eat all this pie. Why? Because to me, it's important. You have Thanksgiving, you have pie. You don't miss it. Well, the same is true in our Christian lives. We can't skip this part of our pursuit of Jesus just because we don't like it or it makes us uncomfortable or it's awkward. To skip that is to skip pie on Thursday night. To skip this is to miss this key ingredient that Jesus has for his followers. In John chapter 13, he's talking to the disciples, and he describes that his disciples would be known, they'd be recognized, they'd be seen in the community based on one key factor, and he says it's the way that you love each other, the way that you treat each other. In John 13, 35, he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how they'll know you're a Jesus person, based on your love for one another. And just a little bit later in that conversation, in John 15, he goes on to talk about what that love looks like. That it's not just warm, fuzzy embraces. It's not a holy kiss on the cheek. It's not just being nice to each other on Facebook. That the love that he talks about in John 15, 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, this is the kind of love that Jesus says, if people see a sacrificial love, 
a selfless love, a giving love, a generous love. That's what people will see in you. That's what they'll see in me. That's what they'll see in us and say, there's something different about them. They're Jesus people. That's how they know that we follow Jesus, by the way that we serve one another and give to one another and sacrifice for one another. And so this is a huge characteristic of who we are because we are people who lay down our lives, our desires, our securities, our kingdoms by denying ourselves and prioritizing others, lifting them up, lifting Jesus up. And so as we talk about this for the second week here, I understand that for some of us in our church, man, this is, this is a step of faith. This is new. This is, hey, let's try this. Let's participate in this. Let's, let's uh, you know, step into the unknown, if you will, on how to serve or how to give or how to fast in some capacity. And for others, you've been doing this in your, in your life, in your journey with Jesus, and it's a challenge to reflect and to consider how you might do that differently, how you might do it more, why you're doing these things, what is the heart and the motivation behind doing these things. And, and, and it may challenge you to give more. It may challenge you to serve more. It may challenge you to fast more often. But the whole idea is not legalism. It's not holy hoops and a, and a spiritual report card. The idea is that we are pursuing Jesus with everything that we are. Because I'm willing and wanting to, to sacrifice everything that I am for Christ and for his people. That's my heart and that's my hope in this message is that we are people who are willing to give everything that we have and everything that we are for the kingdom of God. And as we talked about last week, we talked about sacrifice being costly. It's gonna require something of you. This week, we're talking about this idea as we look at the teachings of Jesus that sacrifice is meant to be done quietly, a quiet sacrifice, a secret sacrifice. We're gonna look at a passage from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six. Matthew six Verses one through four, he says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by men, I tell you the truth, they receive their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We're going to skip down into verses 16 and 18 of this same chapter. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So it will be so it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, as we look at this teaching of Jesus, there's some, some repetition that I want us to take note of. One of those bits of repetition is, he says, when you, not if you, but when you give, when you fast. And what he's doing or what he's acknowledging is that within their culture, it was already customary to serve, to give, to, to fast in these ways. This is not, ah, if you'd like to do this and if it's convenient for you and all that. He's talking to them. It, this is a part of their life, right? Notice he doesn't say if you give or if you help or if you fast. He's saying when you do these things, when you fast, when you give. And as he's talking to these people, it's understanding their culture that things like fasting were an everyday or not every day, but it was a common occurrence for them. 
And it varied in, in what they gave up and what they were fasting. Maybe it was all food and water for a period of time. Maybe it was all food and drink completely, anything like that. But sometimes it was done by an individual, other times a collection of people. Sometimes they fasted for a longer period of time or, or with a specific purpose behind that fast. In some Jewish pockets of, of culture, they would fast on particular days. Mondays and Thursdays, those were their days to fast, and it was this regular occurrence for them. Giving was not uncommon. It was a regular occurrence for them to sacrifice, to give, and to benefit those in need. And so he's not commenting on when to sacrifice or what a sacrifice even is. What is he commenting on? How they sacrifice. How they sacrifice. And there's this repetition of of bringing out the hypocrite. Right? He talks about hypocrite and those being visible and seen and the religious people that are very uh, evident and, and, and clear as day. Like you can see them in the streets. You can see them tooting their own horn, if you will. And, and he says in verse 1, to not do these acts of righteousness, to not make these kinds of sacrifices, to be seen. Verse 1, that phrase, to be seen, is actually the same word that we get the word theatrical from. Interesting there that it's their, their acts of righteousness were to be seen. They were to be theatrical. They were to be showy and a spectacle. Something to look at and say, wow, look at that, right? And, and then he, he uses this word hypocrite regularly. And this word hypocrite in ancient times was also used to describe an actor. One who was pretending or put on a mask or a facade and was taking on a role and, and trying to deceive others in their, in their role that they were playing. And so he's pointing out this grouping of people They seem very spiritual and holy and set apart. They seem very sacrificial. They're giving to the needy. They're fasting. They're doing all these holy things. But they're being deceptive. They're being theatrical. They're being like, you know, Denzel Washington and George Clooney. They're acting and taking on a role. And who are they trying to deceive? They're trying to deceive others. They're trying to deceive God. And they're also, I think, trying to deceive themselves. Deceiving others into thinking, these are spiritual people. Look at them go. Deceiving God and saying, I'm a spiritual person. Look at me go. Deceiving themselves and saying, I'm a spiritual person. Look at me go. And we go about doing that in this way that he's pointing out. They're announcing it with trumpets and blaring and and point at look at me, right? It is tooting their own horn. It's that humble brag. It would be posting it on on social media and all these selfies like hashtag serving, right? And doing all of these things. That's what they're doing. That's what he's calling out, how they're sacrificing. That when they're fasting, they're contorting their faces and not following the regular practices of, uh, of washing and shaving and putting oil on their face. They're like, oh, look at me. I'm so sad and decrepit. I'm working so hard for the things of God, right? And they look miserable on their face. Kind of like when you take your kids shopping and the whole time they just look miserable and they're just begging you to say, can we go home, right? Are you ready to go home? Yes, yes, I'm ready. I'm looking miserable just for you, dad. I want you to know this is terrible. People in the streets were fasting and people would look at them and say like, what's your problem, man? What's going on? And they're I'm just... I am bearing this cross for God. I am fasting for the Lord. I'm giving all these things. I'm sacrificing. I'm looking miserable. And Jesus is calling out, these are look at me sacrifices because it's all about me. And we see this in our culture. We see this in pop culture. There's an episode of Seinfeld where George tries to be seen as a generous person and he's paying for some calzones at a pizza parlor. And as he puts the dollar into the chip into the tip jar, the employee turns around and doesn't see him put it in. And there's no jingle because he's not using coins, he's using dollar bills. 
And the employee turns around and looks at George as if he's not tipping. He's very stingy. And George doesn't like that, right? It's this idea of like, well, no, I'm not stingy. I tipped you, but you didn't see it. I want you to see it. And he gets into this whole ordeal and he kind of does this Costanza thing and it makes it a big deal, right? And I think we, we do that at times. We're like, man, I want you to see I'm not a stingy person. I'm a generous person. I don't want you to see that I'm selfish. I'm, I'm sacrificing. I'm volunteering. I'm serving, right? Look at me. Look at me. You ever find you know, yourself serving in a way where it's very visible and people can see what you're doing? Or you only work when the people are walking around or when other people are involved. Finding yourself to be generous when there's an interesting story to tell and that you're disappointed in an act of generosity that doesn't come gift-wrapped in that beautiful story. Oh, that, was, that didn't go as planned. You ever serve or volunteer or, or give to something and it didn't quite go as planned and you don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling? You ever fast and, or see somebody take on a fast and they declare it on social media? I'm giving up all entertainment for the month. I'm giving up social media for the month. I think it's ironic that we post our fasting about social media on social media, right? And there is this twinge of, look at me. Look at the sacrifice I'm making. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. So I'm not pointing fingers at all of you saying, you're doing this wrong. I'm acknowledging, I've done all of those things, by the way, that I'm, I'm listing out. And it's because it's this look at me, this kind of look at me sacrifice. Why do we do this? Why do we serve? Why do we give? Why do we fast in that kind of look at me kind of way? And I think Jesus repeatedly talks about this reward. In Matthew 6, he, re- he talks a lot about this reward that we would receive. And they, I think it shows that connection, that innate desire within us, that if I give, if I serve, if I fast, if I sacrifice... I'm going to get something. I'm going to get something in return. What am I going to get out of it? And that reward could be something that we get for ourselves. We get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, that felt good. I feel like a good person when I give in that way, when I serve in that way, when I fast in that way. We get that, maybe that feeling of security, like God likes me now. God loves me now. I'm getting treasures in heaven, right? I've heard, heard that phrase sometimes used when we're giving and serving and laying down our life in these ways, that I'm storing up treasures in heaven and doing this. I'm securing my heavenly spot. Sometimes we, we give and we serve thinking that we're gonna have a greater prosperity, a greater return on our investment. If I give and do and serve and do all this, well, then I'm gonna get something in return from God. I'm going to reap what I sow on this. One of the rewards that Jesus really calls out is this idea of what we get from other people. Not just what we get internally or what we think we might get from God, but what we get from other people. That desire from other people to be affirmed, to be recognized, to be patted on the back, to be seen and given the attention and the praise to say, that is a good person. Oh, you're a good person. You're a good guy. You're a man of God. You're a spiritual person. So we give and we fast and we serve, not in secret the way Jesus said, but in a way that someone else will see it. And we chase that reward, that desire within us to be affirmed, to be loved, to be cherished, to be appreciated, to be noticed. And Jesus even says, here's the thing. He says, if that's the thing you're chasing after, if that's why you're going to give, if that's why you're going to serve, if that's why you're going to fast, guess what? You will get it. You'll get there. You'll experience that. We will experience that. But will it satisfy? Will it truly satisfy our heart? 
There's an example of this in an episode of The Office where Michael wants to give, and he wants to be seen as a generous person, and there's a, a co-worker named Oscar who's going around and gathering donations for this uh, walkathon that his, his nephew is doing, and He's going, and Michael looks at the sheet that Oscar gives him, and he's going to fill it out, and he's standing in front of his coworker. He wants to, he wants to be seen as generous. Oh, look at these donations that other people are. 50 cents, a dollar, two dollars. And so what does Michael do? He writes in $25, and he hands it to Oscar, feeling really good about himself. He even goes up to another coworker later and says, hey, uh, hey Jim, I put $25. Why'd you only put a dollar on there? Come on, man. Right? And then Michael quickly finds out that it's not a flat $25 donation. It's $25 per mile. And he finds out that uh, Oscar's nephew is quite the athletic person and walked some 17, 18 miles last year. And Oscar's uh, then shocking to Michael. He is then just filled with this regret and this remorse and trying to weasel out. And how do I find this? I meant to just, I was trying to do this to be seen as generous and to be affirmed and to be recognized as a good person. And he got that. But it ended up not satisfying him in any way. I think what Jesus is exposing in this text is that we often will make sacrifices for very selfish reasons. We just veil them or gift wrap them in religious facades and verbiage and words and semantics, and we feel better about ourselves. But ultimately, much like Jesus is calling out, we're trying to deceive others. We're trying to deceive God, or we're even trying to deceive ourselves. And so Jesus says, do it a little different. Sacrifice in secret. It's interesting to think because normally whatever we would do in secret is usually a bad thing, right? If I don't want people to see or know or, or be aware of what I've done, it's usually something I'm ashamed of, something I'm not proud of, right? Habits or, or behaviors, actions that I'm trying to avoid attention on. But Jesus says this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is the goal. When you sacrifice your life for other people, when you give it all up for people, when you help other people, when you fast and do these things, this is the goal. Verse three, he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Think about that for a moment because it's an extreme exaggeration. I tried to explain it to my kids. They were really confused. You could just see it bottling up in their brain. They couldn't figure it out. What do you mean, dad? Don't let my left hand know what my right hand doing. That's what Jesus is getting at. It's an exaggeration to show you it's impossible. It's not possible for your left hand to not know what your right hand is doing. It's just, it's, it's impossible for that to take place. And what Jesus is saying is to go through that kind of intentionality, to exercise that kind of secrecy in your generosity and in your serving and in your, in your fasting and that kind of way, we are going about it with kind of this planning and this thoughtfulness and this secrecy then we aren't doing it in a way where somebody will see it or recognize it or pat us on the back. But it's going to take intentionality, just as it would for your left hand to not know what your right hand is doing would take intentionality. He's saying to do that kind of secret sacrificing, that quiet sacrificing, is not going to happen on accident. You're going to have to make an effort at it, but that's, that's the goal. In verse 17, he talks about this idea of when you're fasting to put oil on our face, Right? And they would throw ash on their face. They would disfigure their face. They, would have a, you know, they wouldn't shave or, or go about the normal practices. And they're contorting in such a way to try to draw attention, for people to ask questions, right, to benefit themselves. It reminds me of when you're watching sports and there's an athlete that flops. I hate it. Can't stand it when athletes flop on the basketball court or 
You see it a lot in soccer. I can't stand watching soccer because they, they get breathed on. and Oh, they just get knocked over in this egregious manner. It's like, hey, man, he just ran next to you and breathed, and you fell over as if he got, you got hit by a bus, right? But this egregious exaggeration is all to gain favor with the refs and to benefit themselves. Well, spiritually speaking, religious people were doing that. They were flopping all over the place. Oh, I am just bearing this burden for the Lord. Look at me. Ask questions. Benefit me. And Jesus is telling them, you got to do it differently. That's not how we're going to do it. Don't be fake. Don't, you don't have to act like everything's awesome and perfect in your life, but at the same time, wash your face. Put some oil on your face. Go on with your day. You don't have to Go out, go out and try to fish for sympathy or affirmation. Don't try to manipulate the system. That's not why we fast. We fast so that we get in the practice of denying ourselves and focusing on Jesus, symbolizing this idea of how I pick up my cross to follow Jesus. Not so that someone will say, Sean, what's wrong, brother? No, he's saying just go about your life discreetly, quietly, secretly. And it challenged me to think about this week, why would Jesus want us to be quiet in our sacrifices? Why does he want a life of quiet sacrifices? I think the quiet sacrifices strip away at all the other reasons and motivations that we give and we serve and we fast. It's no longer about what I get from it or what other people see me do. It's not about us at that point. You see, so a quiet sacrifice actually leads to a pure sacrifice. We give because there's a need. We serve because there's a need. We fast because we're pursuing Jesus and getting rid of the distractions that get in the way. And so this practice of quiet sacrifice is actually purifying this action. It's purifying my heart, my motivation, my desire. I have a pure heart in pursuing that now because I know I'm not doing it for anything else or for anyone else. And I thought about what Jesus said just briefly right before in, in chapter five of Matthew, just before this whole uh, you know, section on quiet sacrifice, he gives what we call the Beatitudes. And one of the most famous Beatitudes, right smack in the middle of those is Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And I think about these selfless sacrifices, these quiet sacrifices, these secret sacrifices, purifying my motivations, purifying my heart, purifying my desire to want to do it. And that if I would give and serve and fast with a pure heart, I will actually be able to see God, discover more of God. I'll be able to discover God's heart as I'm giving because I'll see a generous heart of God. I'll discover the humble heart of God as I'm serving. I'll discover the sacrificial heart of God as I'm fasting. You see, because I'm not doing it for what I get out of it. I'm not doing it for the affirmation I receive from other people or to notch in my holy belt or to gain something in return for greedy or selfish purposes. I'm doing it because I want to continue to pursue Jesus. And in doing so, I experience a purity of heart. And then I get to, as Jesus promises, see God. I see the heart of God. I see that God is using that moment of generosity to benefit somebody else, to show his love to the world. Not for that warm, fuzzy feeling that I get, but to know that somebody else is experiencing a need being fulfilled and they will praise God because of it. I look back in moments of hindsight, with hindsight, and I begin to see 
because of that pure heart, I'm able to see that, wow, I did hear from God in that moment. He told me to give, and I gave, and I heard his voice. He inspired me to serve in a moment, and I served. I volunteered, and I knew I heard from God in that moment. I'm reassured that God is active, and God is talking to me, and God is alive and a part of my life because I'm not doing it for any other reason but to honor him. And I think that's the reward that Jesus is getting at. This is the reward we get to experience. Jesus says that our our acts of sacrifice will not go unnoticed. They will not be missed. They will not be overlooked. But he says the one who sees all is going to see your secret sacrifices. God sees you. And he says you will be rewarded. And I think that's the real reward. I get to see God and experience God in my life. I get to see God and experience God moving through my life, around my life. I have a closeness with my heavenly father. That's the reward. I think of some of my my most memorable moments of generosity, of serving people, where I felt my heart was stirred and I acted on it. I did it. And those are moments that I've never preached about, moments that I almost never talk about, moments that I most definitely did not post on Instagram where being on a short-term mission trip and giving clothes right off your back to help somebody, mowing someone's lawn while their spouse was in the hospital because you knew that they needed the help right then, selling valuable things in my life so that I could serve a ministry that needed more financing at that time, willing to make that sacrifice. You see, these secret sacrifices of my past are memorable, but they're special because I look back and I see that there's a purity of heart in them. I didn't do it for the accolade or the recognition or the pat on the back or the thank you. I did it because I heard God speak and I acted on it. And that's the joy that I've discovered. I want to close by just sharing a story. I I think earlier this year, we lost an example of somebody who lived a life of quiet sacrifice. In August, Bev Coulter passed away and she's with Jesus. And some of you didn't know Bev uh, and her late husband, Don, and they pastored this church for decades. And they faithfully served this church decades after they retired with each new pastor that came in. Bev, I think of her life, she modeled this idea of quiet sacrifices. She quietly gave to the church of the finances that she had. She quietly served the kids in the back faithfully on Sunday morning, serving as a helper in the classroom. Secretly serving uh, during our our prayer times and praying for, for people in our church without them knowing it. Volunteering at Berry Dairy Days and willing to endure the heat of, uh, of a summer day to put tattoos on little kids and show kindness to them. She never asked for a spotlight She didn't demand a thank you card. She wasn't offended that I didn't give her a microphone to speak. She never asked for a commemorative plaque for all her years of service. She never pulled me aside and told me what to do. She never corrected me and said, Sean, this is how you need to pastor your church. And even in the final year of her life, she she lived it, serving, giving, sacrificing quietly, for the people of her church, of her family, 
of her community. That's why I say we lost a pillar, a foundational piece of this church. Many who have come to our church may have just not even known decades of sacrifice, decades of service, decades of giving her life away and how she gave to this church. And my prayer, my prayer for us is that we become a church that picks up that mantle that she carried, that is selfless and is humble and is quiet, but is faithful, generous in our sacrifice of all areas of our life. And we are willing to give all of who we are and all of what we have for the kingdom of God and the ministry of God, not just within this church, but what God is doing locally and globally across the world. And we develop this purity of heart as we discovered. Because when I think of Bev, she didn't do it for any other reason, but with a pure heart to honor her God. And she got to see over the decades how God moved through this place, through the lives of the people that were a part of this church. And that's my prayer, is that we get to stand back someday and see, wow, look at what God was up to. Look at how God transformed this area over here. Look at how God transformed me in this way. Look at what God did in and through our church. That's why as a church we get to practice with these pursuit series. We get to practice with these 14-day pursuits. You've got the little bookmarks that you could pick up or you can download it on your phone. And it's not too late to join in the pursuit, right? Each day has its own daily little challenge for you and it helps us Put these teachings of costly sacrifice and quiet sacrifice into practice. I encourage you, try these things. You know, live it out. Take a step. Let's do it. And let's try to live out this idea of being people who are willing to give everything we are and everything that we have for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a God of sacrifice. I pray that you help us set aside ourselves and you would give us pure hearts so that we can give our lives away for you, Jesus. Help us to discover more of you. Reveal yourself to us, God, that you would become alive to us, that we would hear your voice, that we would see you're moving, that we would see that you are leading your people and you are leading your church. Help us to see you clearly as we lay our lives down for your kingdom. Willing to sacrifice whatever the cost and willing to sacrifice quietly and secretly because we do it to honor you more than anyone else. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. For more information, check out thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.